Welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast. We're here to grow in faith, connect in community, and serve the world. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy. One of my greatest joys this year has been leading preschool chapel with Ginger twice a month. The kids are an absolute riot, and we never quite know where a lesson is going when we start it. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how we can love like Jesus, and we started by reviewing a list of who Jesus loves. They knew right away that Jesus loves them, so that's good. And they were quick to call out that Jesus loves their families, their teachers, their friends. Is there anyone that God doesn't love? I asked. And almost every single class enthusiastically called out, bad guys. In one class, when I told them that I had a big surprise for them, that God even loves bad guys, a little boy in the front row descended into a fit of giggles. Even bad guys, he said. Even bad guys, I assured them. We talked about how God doesn't love when we make bad choices, but that never, ever changes God's love for us. Today, we begin our journey learning about covenants with the very first covenant that God made, a covenant with Noah and all creation after the flood. A covenant is a promise. It can sometimes be a legally binding one, and in biblical times, it often described an agreement between two nations. There was usually a big gap in power dynamics, and the two groups would negotiate a relationship that was mutually advantageous. God uses the term a little differently in scripture. There's no negotiation, but God does repeatedly set out what the relationship between God and God's people will look like. And today we hear the very first covenant God ever made with humanity. People hadn't been around very long at this point in the narrative. God created everything and called it good, and then pretty immediately things start to go sour. By Genesis chapter six, we are told that the Lord saw that wickedness, the wickedness of humans was great in the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. Later, we're told the earth was corrupt and filled with violence. Humanity was, it turned out, a whole bunch of bad guys. God was sorry for creating humans and decided to wipe them all out, all except for Noah and his family, because Noah walked with God. So God did just that flooding the earth and blotting out every living thing that wasn't on the ark by sending 40 days and 40 nights of rain. I won't pretend to have all the answers to the tricky questions this raises about why our God who is love did that. It brings up complicated questions and a great place to discuss them more is with other disciples in your journey group this week. I will point out that this is an ancient, ancient story. And the people who told it, they viewed God with different eyes than we do. That's true of every generation, and there have been many, many generations since these stories were first told. They didn't have 
thousands of years of God's story and numerous covenants to help them understand God. All of that hadn't happened yet. In the Lutheran church today, we give a nod to God's power, and that's mostly it. We don't tend to spend a lot of time dwelling on the subject. While we would all quickly agree that God is powerful, we're not particularly focused on God's ability to command, well, everything. We don't spend much time pondering how God could decimate us without exerting any effort. But to ancient Israel, God's power was a feature. God called forth mountains with a word. God was the source of such pure power that it was impossible to see God's face and live. Thunder and lightning accompanied God on the mountain. God could decimate them easily, and in an ancient world where life seemed even more unpredictable than ours does now, God very well might have done just that. Again, they didn't have the stories that we do now. And they knew from pretty early on that God can't stand evil at all. So it would have made a certain sort of sense that God sent the flood to wipe out evil. That part probably aligned well with what they understood about the divine. But, a surprise. This powerful holy God hated evil and had the chance to wipe it out. It just came at the expense of wiping out humanity. But God didn't. God saved a remnant. And then God made a covenant not only with Noah and his family, but with all of creation. Never again would a flood destroy the earth. If we're still new to learning about God, and we primarily think of God as pure holiness and power, then this is wild. God is promising to never, ever destroy the world again, no matter how much violence no matter how much corruption or evil, it must have been a welcome surprise. It's as delightful as those preschoolers learning that God loves even bad guys. As Reverend Joy J. Moore said, God is great enough to destroy us, but good enough not to. The very first covenant that God makes is unconditional and expansive. Everyone is in. The animals, the birds, every living creature, including Noah and all his descendants, we are all beneficiaries of this promise. Even if we're corrupt and violent and evil, which on the whole, humanity does have a tendency to be. God will never, ever wipe us out again. It is the first unconditional covenant God makes with us, but it's hardly the last. It's one of the early times that God adjusts plans and relates to humanity in new ways, but it's hardly the last. And God put a bow in the sky to remind all of us of this covenant so that every time the sky is dark and a storm has passed and the light catches in just the right way to brighten the sky with the brilliant colors of a rainbow, we are reminded of God's promise and God's presence. Lent is a particularly great time to spend time with the story of Noah and God's first covenant. Because God is still that awe-inspiring, powerful, 
holy being that cannot stand evil. But God chose a different way. God chose humanity, and God continues to choose us time and time again. When evil spread again after the flood, God didn't wipe us out, flood or otherwise. God emptied himself, taking the form of a slave and becoming human. Jesus then humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. God defeated evil not by wiping us out, but by saving us through Christ crucified and risen. And because of Christ, God still uses water to destroy evil, but this time does so in a way that brings us new life. When the holy waters wash over our heads at baptism, our old sinful selves die, and we are given new life in Christ. Like the 40 days of cleansing waters in the story, Lent offers us 40 days to allow the cleansing waters of baptism to wash away sin and bring us to new life. Each day, as we remember our baptisms and God's unconditional promises, we can invite the Spirit to do its holy work. In the journey this week, we'll hear a quote from author Rachel Held Evans, who wrote, Baptism reminds us that there's no ladder to holiness to climb, no self-improvement plan to follow. It's just death and resurrection over and over again, day after day, as God reaches down into our deepest graves and with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead rests from us our pride, our apathy, our fear, our prejudice, our anger, our hurt, and our despair. So what in our lives could use the cleansing waters of baptism? What within us needs to die in order for God to bring new life? The waters of baptism will not overwhelm us. They'll remake us. We can offer God our pride, our apathy, our fear, our prejudice, our anger, our hurt, and our despair. We can hand it right over to God and know without a doubt that God can get rid of all those things and still preserve a remnant in us. The new life that awaits us produces the fruits of the Spirit. Things like patience and gentleness and generosity and self-control and love. God uses those holy waters to remind us of all the other covenants that lead to God's baptismal promises including this very first one and its life-giving truth. God chooses us. We're complicated, and we choose all the wrong things far too often, but God isn't deterred. Nothing stops God from choosing us. Nothing diminishes God's belief that we are worth it. We're worth all the covenants. We're worth all the effort. We are worth even God's very own son, sent not to condemn us, but to save us. And our joy this Lent is to talk with God and with each other about what difference this amazing truth makes in our lives. God chooses us. We get to live in ways that show it. God is mighty. God is 
good. And we are loved unconditionally and abundantly. Amen.